The InvinoFab podcast brings meaningful conversations to our community of listeners. Part of this is sharing stories with and by our friends like Telesom, who want to bring meaningful experiences to you. At Telesom, we're on a mission to create meaningful work for sommeliers, meaningful connections for wine lovers, and to change the face of wine. For this season of InvinoFab, we're honored to raise a glass with sommeliers who want to share their wine secrets and knowledge with you. At Telesom, we bring the psalm to you. For this season of InvinoFab, we're collaborating with Telesom to fill your cup and your ear with sommelier stories, uncorking the wine tales. So we hope you're excited to learn with us this season all about wine and the wine questions you want answered. Telesom brings the psalm to you. Check us out online at telesom.app or on Instagram at telesom.app. We can't wait to meet you. For those of you who may have been in our feed this summer, I think you would have heard there was an event we had. We had a virtual tasting with the Telesom app. So the app that's this full series of the stories of the sommeliers you've heard, we hosted an event with Vanessa Raymond and a, and a sommelier, Katarina Anderson, who you heard last week. So we hope you enjoyed it. We met with her and had the kickoff events, uh, sommelier stories. So that was back in July. That seems like so long ago, Patrice. But we thought we'd tell you a little bit about the virtual event that you're going to hear an audio clip from. So as Laura mentioned, um, it was back in July. And an important note, it was um, on July 29th, which is the day after my birthday. So it was kind of like a mini celebration. It was all for Patrice. Yeah, that's true. Yes, yes. Um, And the event centered around Taste the Italian Wine Story. Um, And uh, Katerina took us through a really great slide deck where she showed us some different regions of Italy and talked a little bit about each of the wines that we were drinking and gave us a little historical perspective um, and really motivated us to travel out there to see her and um, have an in-person event. And what the way that she ran the event was she gave us a list of types of wines, and then we were able to go out wherever we happened to be located to buy them. And so we um, we had a rosé wine, and then we had a Pinot Noir, and then we had a Brunello wine. Um, and we went through each of them, and it was pretty fabulous. Yeah, we had um, some people from different parts of mainly, yeah, it was all the U.S. for this mm-hmm. tasting. And we had some other people interested. And we just did a call to our past guests of the pod and friends to see if anyone wanted to join us. We we're really grateful that there was uh, a few of us that showed up with these varietals. It was something we encouraged people to shop at their local wine shop or if they weren't going out yet, uh, wine.com. And Katarina was so great. So she does the grapevineadventures.com is her website. You may have heard us talk with her and about this, um, but she gave us some ideas around like natural wine, La Grand wine, some different Italian wines that we could find or ones like that. If we couldn't exactly find um, a La Grand, she suggested a Pinot Noir. So it was really cool. And we met in a Zoom room that you would, and you're like, oh, Laura, why would I want to come to a Zoom event? Well, I'll tell you why, because you'll have a few different glasses in front of you and bottles to talk about and learn from. And I like that um, Katerina is 
former academic. So she did bring us through uh, the context. She had talked about the varietals, but talked about the regions and talked about kind of why these grapes grow where they are. And if you heard in the podcast, the history behind some of the families or behind some of the reasons why um, some of the vineyards were made. And she couldn't get too specific because unlike other tastings, uh, we weren't shopping where wine was shipped to us, but that's an option in one of these events. Uh, But we did get to say kind of like the tasty notes and what we talked about. So Hopefully you'll get to sense in this small audio clip. And at the beginning, you'll get to hear Vanessa Raymond, the developer, CEO, founder, and creator of the Telesom app, give an introduction. So we hope you enjoy it. All right. Welcome to the Invino Fab and Telesom event. We're really excited that you all can join us. If you're listening to this later, you missed out. We've already tasted the wines and uh, we're going to share bits and pieces of this experience. Uh, so know the fab is a podcast of in wine story so it's perfect that telesom and vanessa raymond sent us an email and said i think we have some crossovers and we'd love to work with you and so this is our first of uh, many collaborations we've had in the last few months but vanessa i'd love for you to give a snippet of what is telesom the app all about Thanks, Laura. Um, I'm so excited about this event and this collaboration with Invino Fab. Um, so Telesom is a marketplace app where you can buy wine experiences with sommeliers and wine professionals all over the country and the world. And you can really customize a lot of things on Telesom. I think that's what makes it really compelling to a lot of our users. Like Laura and Patrice said, hey, we primarily drink red wines. Um, what can we set up to do for you know people who have been on our podcast and, and friends and professional relationships that we have to do a tasting through Telesom? And so we just came up with this off the fly and there's lots of opportunities for people to make wine a connector in their lives through Telesom. Absolutely. And um, secret, we have a secret project that you'll we'll roll out early this fall, uh, fall for us in uh, North America. Um, we have some small stories and Katarina, we are so excited to be the guest. She was one of the first um, sommeliers we interviewed. We're going to have a sommelier stories series coming up. So look forward to that. But uh, we're excited to see her work in action because she's one of the over dozen sommeliers that are part of this app and experience. And really, they are in it from the love of learning. And that's really what our podcast at Invino Fab is bringing women, those that identify as women together, hearing different stories and passions. And it's really cool to have Katarina and other Psalms tell us their stories. And a lot of them don't work in the wine field full time. So it's cool to hear their backgrounds and what they're interested in, how they got into studying wine and loving the wine they're in. I just think it's been an amazing opportunity, like you said, to hear the stories of the different people and their journey Um, and what they do both when they're drinking wine and when they're not drinking wine. And that we learned a lot about uh, nifty wine facts and oopses and uh, fun customer service sorts of stories. So yeah, we have a lot of really great, exciting stories to share. Great. And that will come out this season. So stay tuned. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, we'd love for you to be a new listener and friend of the pod. So from now, I'm going to pass this over to... Katarina, who is our psalm of the evening, will guide us through Italia Vino. Uh, so welcome uh, and thank you for this opportunity. So 
I've been a bit uh, how to do this because we're all going to have different wines, so it's going to be. I think I'll just do some short um, introductions, and then we'll just kind of talk about the wines together because it's. I don't find it very useful that I will just blah 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 blah. <laughs> I think it's more interesting to hear what you think and then what wines you found. Um, so I was just thinking about that I, I might uh, go wine type by wine type and then talk. So we do it because otherwise it becomes very long. So we might start with the, uh, I don't, I didn't have a Lambrusco at home and I didn't find the one I, I wanted to close by here. So I have this uh, Rosé wine, uh, which is Montepulciano from Abruzzo. Um, so Abruzzo is a region in, in the southern part of Italy, close to Puglia, just a bit above Puglia. Uh, I don't know, if you want to, I can also do the, the screen sharing. Uh, let's see if I manage to do that. Irina, do you want to share a little bit about uh, how you got into wine in Italy, maybe? Oh, yes, of course. Sorry, I just yeah, went right. That's good. I'd love to jump into the wine. I haven't poured, but yeah, that'd be great. Okay, so uh, I'm, I'm actually sommelier, but I'm, I'm sommelier more for the theoretical reasons, uh, because uh, that's more what I'm interested in. Um, but I kind of started presenting wines uh, or studying to sommelier like 10 years ago, more or less. Uh, and it started out like something I did for fun with a friend. Uh, I'd always been interested in wine, but my background is more in academia. I used to be, I did a PhD in history. That's why I came to Florence like around 20 years ago <laughs> because uh, the European Union has a research institute very on the hills outside Florence. Uh, so they, they sent me there to do my PhD in history. Uh, then I just stayed on um, and I kind of taught for a while, a bit in Sweden, a bit here at some in American universities. Uh, and then I just decided that academia wasn't really what I wanted to do. <laughs> so I kind of started using, because I have two degrees uh, before the, the PhD, so I started doing more translations because it allowed me to travel and go back and forth between Sweden a lot. And um, then this thing, um, I kind of used to live a bit in Bologna too uh, uh, with my ex, and then I kind of we broke up. So with friends, as I said, we decided we should go and, and do a sommelier course because it sounded fun. Uh, and it was really fun. It was more fun than we thought. And um, we learned a lot and it was a really nice group. Um, and you also got kind of, you know, they organized the tastings and to visit wineries close by. Uh, they also started to, to organize this kind of smaller trips. So we went to Alto Adige one uh, kind of one autumn. We went to uh, Umbria and it was like a great way to kind of, you know, get into the world. And then I just started writing like a free blog for fun. <laughs> and I honestly didn't think anybody was reading it. <laughs> and then I kind of, well, people started writing me. And the funny thing is like, it wasn't like, you know, I thought it was only my friends in the sommelier course who sometimes read, uh, but it turned out that it was actually people from all over the world. So people also from the US and UK kind of started writing me and asking, you know, about the wines, where we went, uh, how and why and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then there was a couple of Americans who are like in the marketing field, the social media marketing field, who, and one of them, he collects Italian wines actually. 
And he was kind of inventing this kind of software for Twitter in that period. So he was just like, oh, you know, you should kind of uh, make something more professional out of this and, and kind of use the fact that I, I speak Italian and, and, and English and also Swedish, of course, and that I kind of live in Italy <laughs> and being so close to the wine world here. So I just felt like, okay, it could be a fun kind of side thing um, outside the the work and then it just kind of everything actually worked that he said and, and it started to become more of a of a job than an actual uh, kind of hobby and people also when I when I started my 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 real blog like I, I got an old domain the one that I still have the Grapevine Adventures and then I also they also described he also thought that I should get into live streaming so in 2015 when the first apps for live streaming came out I also started live streaming about Italian wine in English. And I honestly didn't think anybody would be you know, interested. I was like, okay, because it's not like I was any, any known wine writer or journalist or whatever, sommelier or anything. I was just kind of <laughs> doing it for fun, but it actually worked all of it. I, I think it was just in the right moment and there wasn't, in Italy was a bit behind in that period. So a lot of the things that they did in the US and the UK wasn't really, they weren't doing it here and and in Italy still they were a bit behind with English also. Uh, so I think I was just lucky and then of course I also did a lot of things. Uh, so it's just become like a sort of job. So now I have I help a couple of wineries also kind of with communication and and their contacts and networking and if they need, you know, contacts with journalists and abroad and, and things like that. So it's just uh, it's just that I like what I do. It's very much fun. I travel a lot. Uh, when there's no pandemic, I, I usually get invited to a lot of events and, and things. And it's also a way to, um, to see things and, and realities up close and also to learn more and to, to have more things to write and to talk about too. And uh, the last two years, I've also been invited to or two, three years to do wine judging, uh, both in Italy, but also in, in Hungary and in, <laughs> in Berlin and Germany. So that's, um, it's fun. <laughs> and uh, you learn, learn a lot. And the more you learn, the more. That's for you, Katarina, yeah. I will come to any of those places. Uh, Birkin, you want to yeah, go? sure, I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? I didn't hear. Oh, we can come to any of those places to be an apprentice for you and take notes? Yes, of course. <laughs> of course. When anybody wants to come here, of course, I'm happy to take you around. I've actually done it with some people who came here that I, that I got to know in other contexts, and it's been a lot of fun. So it's also a way to, to, to meet people in, in real life when they go on holiday, perhaps, uh, to Italy. Well, before the pandemic, of course, and <laughs> now not so much. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's fun. And if you have any questions, just feel free to ask them. So I should also say that I, I, I live in Tuscany, but uh, I know a bit about all of Italy. But lately, it's been awesome. I've been traveling a lot in the southern parts of Italy, so that's become a bit more of my speciality. Uh, but I do also write about all of it, so there's no, <laughs> there's no discrimination. in. Uh, so this is actually my logo, which uh, an artist from Singapore who studied art in Florence, he, he did it for me. And he's a friend of a friend. Um, so this is a bit uh, blurry, but anyway, this is a, a photo from 
from the Azienda Agricola Cato, which is the, the producer of this wine that I have, uh, which is a Montepulciano. So uh, there's a lot of talk about natural wines in, uh, in this period. So this is actually natural wine because it has no filtration, free filtration, nothing added. Uh, it's also made, so there's two different ways to, or three there could be, to make rosé wine. So one is to, when you actually harvest the grapes a bit earlier, for the sole purpose to make a rosé wine. And you, you keep them in, in contact with the, the skins, the grape skins, to get the, the color you want. So you can keep them like for, uh, you can see here the color. So you can keep them, uh, some keep them like eight hours, some uh, 24 hours, some a bit longer. Depends on how much uh, color you want because the color you extract from the skins. So Katerina, um, so the reason why our bottles are look like champagne bottles, is that because of the natural wines? No, but you have a Lambrusco, no? Yes, Lambrusco, yes. So, I mean, so my wine is a rosé wine, so it's a still wine. But if we talk Lambrusco, uh, they're like... So this is, for example, a Lambrusco Salomino. It's a grape. So basically, when you do Lambrusco, it's a fizzy wine. So the, the ancestral method, which is also what they used in ancient times for how to make uh, champagne, was basically that, that you would kind of uh, put uh, the grapes to, to fermentation in a, in a big tank or container, which was open. So this is what the farmers would do. And then like towards the, the autumn or the, the late autumn, early winter, the fermentation would stop due to the cold. Uh, and then it would just restart in springtime. <laughs> and then they would put the juice in bottles and uh, the wine would re do a re-fermentation in the bottle and you wouldn't do any filtering like you do. So like today when you do high level champagne, you would, uh, you know, do the second fermentation in the bottle too, but then you have, you know, the you take out the, the sediments and then you add this kind of liqueur uh, to make it, you know, each house has their own expedition. Uh, but in the past, you wouldn't do that. So it would be a bit uh, more, more, how do you say, muddy kind of wine, um, because also because the sediments would be on the bottom. Uh, so this is what they're going back to. A lot of producers, a lot of smaller producers continue to do this kind of method, which would become a bit of a fizzy wine. Um, and today it's become even more that a lot of people are going back to this and it's become very trendy too. So now they call it, uh, some of them call it pet nut, but pet nut is what they, they invented in the Loire Valley in France. Um, so since they can't produce champagne in the Loire Valley, uh, they kind of reinvented this kind of uh, ancestral method. Uh, but it's still, it's the same, but still is a bit different because, you know, today they don't do the, uh, it is basically the same, but it's also, you know, if, if you would ask a French person who, who produces champagne, even if you would do ancestral method, he would say that his method is different from the, the pet nut method. Uh, some of them do pet nut, but if you do Lambrustri, you would probably say that you do the ancestral method. You wouldn't use the pet nut word. It's a bit confusing, but basically it's more or less the same that you know that you do the, the second fermentation in the bottle. And nowadays, of course, you do the first fermentation in a tank, but you wouldn't let it, you know, stop during the winter time and then that it would retake in the spring because, of course, you don't have time to wait for that. 
But then, of course, in, in the 70s and 80s, when Lambrusco became more of an industrial wine, uh, they started making it a bit similar to the Prosecco. So, you know, you, you, you just put it in a pressurized tank, so it become more like a sparkling wine that is the, the Chalmat method similar. Uh, so you have something in between. Some, some producers in, in uh, Emilia-Romagna, so the Lambrusco is from Emilia-Romagna. Uh, which is this this region in the middle where the Bologna is the the, the city? Some of them even do the the Champenoise method, would be which would be the more elegant and high quality method where you do the <clears throat> the as I said that you kind of um, chill the cork and then you you let out the sediments uh, before you add another kind of uh, mixture uh, to the wine to make it particular for your uh, <laughs> production. Uh, so there's a bit, but I mean, the standard Lambrusco would be a fizzy wine that you that you make in according to this ancestral method. Uh, so that's why it's sparkling. And uh, I think the Lambrusco in the last 10, 15 years have had a real comeback. <laughs> it's becoming a really uh, trendy one. And I mean, Cleto Chiarlo is, is one of the most, you know, well-known and prominent producers and also have done a lot for the, for the kind of development and research for, for better Lambrusco. Um, I don't know. What do you think? That's just a taste of that tasty we had with our Telesalm sommelier, Katerina. Thank you so much. So I'd like to thank a few people that joined us at the event. Uh, my good friends, Beth and Michelle, um, who were able to join. And my son, Nicholas, was there. And then my uh, friend and colleague, Etta, also joined us. And it was just really fabulous that even though we all were not in the same place, we were able to be together and share this moment together. Yeah. And shout out to Valerie. We did invite former friends, the pod and guests. So Valerie joined us from upstate New York and we, and Fierkra, my partner in crime, he joined as well. And it was fun to move my, uh, desktop into the kitchen and I was like well if I host an event again I'll definitely be back in my kitchen to taste and try and it was just fun that that was just um, going into the Italian regions really inspired us to do some cooking and eating in that area so we really made it a true event and kept having dinner and eats afterwards that was great well Patrice I guess we'll have to book another telesome event sometime soon that sounds perfect great till next time Till next time. Cheers. Thanks for listening to an InVino Fab and Telesom production, The Smalliest Stories, Uncorking Wine Tales. If you liked this episode, tell a friend to subscribe and leave us a rating review in Apple Podcasts. Telesom brings the psalm to you. Check us out online at telesom.app or on Instagram at telesom.app. We can't wait to meet you.